Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie, and we are still married. This is the most physically intimate episode that we will ever record. And do you know why, everyone? I'll say this. Alan needs a breath mint. <laughs> Maybe I should pause it and get, get a piece of gum or something. We Our other microphone is under the weather, meaning it's not working. I blame some child. I'm not sure if it was a child or... It may not have even been our child. It may not have been our child, but found the, our microphone on the floor and it wasn't working when I just plugged it in. So we're using our rock band microphone, which has very low volume recognition. So Katie and I are about three inches away from each other, which is... oh. Marriage on a breath mint is the name of this episode, apparently. Yeah, it's a little bit too close for comfort. This is episode 13, Katie. We made it to a baker's dozen. How Thir- does it feel? Well, 13 is your lucky number, so this better be real good. Oh, pressure's on. <laughs> pressure's on. Now, in the last episode, in our Q&A episode... Uh, we mentioned something that a few listeners have brought up, and we wanted to address it very quickly. We mentioned that we were a bit overwhelmed and needed a, a little bit of a mental break from just thinking about these types of things. And I think that was taken to mean, don't bother us. Stop stop texting and emailing and asking to go out to dinners and things like that. And that is not at all the case. We absolutely never push pause on people needing to reach out. And, and so we... we never want to tell you to stop that if we don't respond immediately we're just kind of either we're either busy or we need that that type of a mental break and and really it was just reloading and focusing on us we and just disneyland and disneyland that's true you went out to disney so by the time katie got back from disneyland we were all recharged yes right? we were yep i think a lot of people listening would understand that sometimes it's just overload and you've got to turn the switch off just flip the switch and focus on something else, which is what Katie and I do as well. And uh, we still love talking about these things with, with other people, helping them. You guys help us quite a bit as well. So please do not stop reaching out. Do not stop chatting with us. Yes, please. Uh, if we have a date set up with you, we are still on for that date. Well, at least until we leave. So Leave? Um, We'll yeah, get we'll, we'll get, get there. we'll get there. Uh, so okay, so th- someone asked this question online, and then I've received a few other questions about this. So I just wanted to take a minute and address it now. I have been preachy in the past, I guess you could say, about dates. Someone made the comment of, "Well, aren't dates expensive?" So I wanted to talk about just sort of where we've been with dates. And this is really not a lot to do with anything. And maybe for some of you, this won't even matter because you have older kids and you don't have to worry about that anymore. But I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So um, when I think about our last 14 years of marriage and the history of dates that we've had through all of this, um, we have been through a number of stages. We have been through the starving student stage where we were both going to school both working um about a year and a half into our marriage we had our first son so we've been in that stage we've been in the having new babies and really really young kids stage where we can't just 
like leave the kids to do whatever they want to do. And, um, and we had to get a babysitter. We are, oh, we, oh, this stage was a fun stage. It was when we had two kids and a brand new baby and, um, Alan had been laid off from his job and we were living. No fault of mine. Well, I didn't say it was your fault. (laughs) I'm just saying though, like we had to do a short sell on our, on our town home and we moved in with my parents and it was a really stressful time. I mean, we were strapped for cash and we had three little kids. And so we've been, we've been through that stage and now we're at the stage where for a couple hours, two to three hours, our 11 year old can babysit and he's pretty good. And you know what I mean, basically means turn a movie on and, you know, eat sugar. But, um, (laughs) But that's okay because for now it's it's what we get. And then occasionally when we have the longer nights where we're doing multiple things, we'll get a sitter to come over to put kids to bed. So I think we've we've been through a number of different stages in our dating history. And so I, I just wanted to like give you some ideas. If you are in one of those stages, there is always something you can do. So, um, for example, we did a babysitting swap with friends where, you know, once a month you watch their kids, they watch your kids. It's total mayhem because there's probably, you know, six kids under the age of five that are all there. But um, we've done babysitting swaps to save money. We have asked family members. Some of you have family members, parents, siblings, who you can con into watching your kids. And we've done that plenty of times. We've asked family members to do that. And we've done babysitting swaps with um, siblings who have kids also. Um, we've we've waited till kids are in bed to, to have a date. You know, we put our kids to bed around seven or eight or nine, whatever. And then, you know, it's, it's something easy. You can get takeout and sit on the couch and talk. Or, I mean, the whole point of being on a date is dedicating your time to the other person and not having like a phone in front of your face or, you know, whatever, just like focusing on that other person, play cards. I mean, go for a walk, go outside and sit on your patio and just talk. Um, that all counts. And then, also, another idea is just take take some take the kids somewhere where they you know they're safe. If you're gonna walk walk to the park, let them play at the park, and then just sit on the grass with your spouse and have, you know, twenty thirty minutes of time where you can just sit and talk. And um, it, the summer is coming, and that's like the perfect time to be outside, and drink Slurpees and just. Um, be alone if if you need to get be alone and it doesn't have to be like a I'm getting a sitter and it's 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 expensive and we can't pay for it you just have to be a little more creative but um again and that is like intentional you have to be intentional if you're an empty nester Alan and I went to his aunt's house I think it was last November and both of his aunts are long time empty nesters and we all went out on a date and Alan's aunt re- made the remark that her husband never takes her out on dates anymore. And it, I mean, I think you, you can fall into this thing where, you know, you're always, to- always together, you're retired, whatever. And so you don't ne- feel the need to go out. I don't know. Because you're always alone anyway. Yeah, right. But um, we went out and and we went to dinner and went to a 
play, and it was just really fun. So it's not just for those of us who are have little kids. You just be intentional with your time, be intentional with your dates. And you can do that at any price, any time of life. You just have to maybe like create some time and space for it. Last night, I think we got a little bit of a unplanned date, an unintentional date, an accidental date, if you will. Are you talking about the boys' baseball game? Yeah. So last night, we were, we, uh, our boys had a baseball game, and we went. Obviously, our two oldest are, were on the team playing, and the younger two were kind of playing around in the stands and around the trees. This, this particular baseball field didn't have a playground, which was annoying, but they were throwing pine cones at other kids and getting in trouble, and it was fine. But Katie and I had the chance to sit there and watch the game. We lost 20 to 0. It was the worst game of our kids' baseball career, which is another story, but not one for this podcast. You can listen to our other podcast, <laughs> Baseball on a Tightrope. I'm just kidding. That doesn't exist. But um, one of the topics, and this is a good segue into it, one of the topics that we wanted to address in kind of our update episode today was how Katie and I. Um, talked about a pretty sensitive, controversial topic yesterday. I mentioned to Katie, and again, we're not going to get into details as we try not to do on this podcast. That's not the point. It's more all centered around how Katie and I handle some of the tough, tough stuff. So I mentioned to her, hey, did you hear that X happened? And, and, and she shared her opinion on that topic. And it was church related, of course. And I actually was pleasantly surprised that we aligned on this particular issue. We weren't. I mean, I would say that we weren't like I was not as passionate about it as you were. Yeah. I mean, you shared your opinion and and I nodded my head and I agreed. And and you could sense that I was holding back a little bit. And you said, well, what else do you have to say about it? And I said, no, I agree with you. And I was very short. You challenged me and you pushed me to to be open. Yeah, I just said, no, I want to know what, because, okay, I mean, it's like the elephant in the room, right? Like, I know he's holding something back, and I want to hear it, because otherwise he'll swallow, push it down and swallow it, and it's just better to get it out. So if I just have to, like, bug him until he does, which is, in this case, I didn't have to do a lot of, a lot of prompting, but... It was a very, like, calm, it was a very calm conversation. I just said, no, I really want to know what you, what you think. And so Alan then opened up and told me. And it really didn't take a ton of, a ton of prompting for me. And, and I think it's worthwhile explaining why I would be hesitant to open. Because in the past, many times when I have opened and said what I feel about a certain topic or multiple different topics it elicits a defensive response from Katie. Part of that is not just because we disagree on something, but even when we actually agree, if I come forward with a very passionate plea, a very emotional response of, well, I just can't believe, blah, 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 blah. I can't, you can't tell me that. And if I come off as attacking, even if she agrees, it's, that type of emotion is, elicits a reaction of hold on back up brother uh you need to you need to calm down a little bit so last night uh, i tried to to exhibit restraint even though i knew you did. I, even though i knew that i was going beyond 
what what Katie believed on this topic. So when I shared it, I was very level-headed, and I my words were pretty strong about uh, the specific topic. This must be extremely annoying to listen to since we're not, <laughs> since we're not giving specifics on what we're talking about. But I made some conclusions about the topic that that Katie would not leap to, but did so without emotion, without pointing fingers, without looking at Katie and saying, I I can't believe you can't see it this way or anything like that. There was still space for both of us to have our own opinions and there wasn't this emotional charge behind it. So we were both allowed our, our own belief in our own space. Right. And it was like a fluid conversation. We weren't fighting. We, just talked about the issue at hand and then we moved on to how horrible the team was doing. I know. And a it few, was bad. It a was few bad. minutes later I said, Hey, can I go back to the, to that topic again? And Katie goes, Oh boy, maybe I'm going to ruin it. Cause it had been pretty healthy. And I actually just called out. I said, thank you for a normal conversation. And thank you for, we talked about it and it naturally moved on to the next topic. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't, we, I know you don't agree with me, but it, it wasn't a big deal. And then Katie said, well, thank you for keeping the emotion out of it and being level-headed about it. And I said, is, is this okay? Is it okay to bring up certain topics or when certain topics are brought up to talk openly about what I feel if I can keep the emotion out of it? And your response was? Absolutely. Because I don't feel threatened and I mean, naturally, like I'm the person that says like my first defense is like, no. And then I, it just, I don't know. It just takes me some time to think about it, but when it's not emotionally charged and we're just having a conversation, it's, I think that it just goes so much better. Kudos to you, Alan, for saying what you thought. And I thought it was handled well. Good. Well, thank you for the kudos. Which reminds me of that one, like granola bar, back when we were kids. Remember oh my those? Gosh. The peanut butter were the best. I loved kudos. Are they still around? No. No, that's too bad. I mean, maybe on Amazon or eBay. 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 They don't have. They have a Twinkie style shelf life. <laughs> so one other thing that I wanted to address, uh, besides dates, is a question that I have received more recently by I want to say three or four women, and I and I don't mean that women are the only ones who ask this question. We've had a few men ask this question, but in the experience that we've had with our emails and and messages from people, generally, I'm just going to say generally because that's who has emailed us and that's who's texted us and talked to us. It's their husbands that have had the faith transition and it's the wives that are still in. And I'm like I said, I don't want to generalize it, but I'm for this segment, I guess I will, because um, I've received this question from three or four different women. And the question is specifically, quote, how do you keep your faith so strong through all of this? When you are the believing spouse, I think that it's easy to become cynical about some of the things about the church, because naturally you have a spouse who already maybe cynical maybe he maybe he is maybe he's not but he just doesn't believe everything that you've been taught and so how um does that affect you i i know that that's a really hard thing and when she asked me well how do you keep your faith strong i really it took me a couple of days to 
think about what I wanted to respond with. And the best thing I can do is just maybe read some of the email that I sent back to this girl and that I sent to a few different um, people. I think that keeping your faith strong is is real. It's a really difficult thing to do. And um, we all go through periods of time when we are closer to the spirit and then other times. And so how do you how do you address that in the current situation that you're in? And so, I mean, here's my disclaimer beforehand. I'm not going to pretend that I have it figured out. Um, we have had a lot of grumpy Sundays where we've come home and, you know, as the wife, it's sometimes it's difficult to sit through sacrament meeting when you know that the things that are being said is, is either one, um, making your spouse really uncomfortable or something that maybe you don't agree with also and you're kind of like wincing at things that's happened do you feel do you feel like when that happens if there's something that you now do agree with with your spouse but you don't i'll just say us if there's something now that you're like oh i kind of see maybe i didn't get you to that conclusion but if there is something that you agree with is there a part of you that holds back on sharing that because you don't want me to feel like I can't, I can't give an inch here. I have to be the defender of the faith. I have to, to stay strong. I don't want to, I don't want to admit that I see things differently as well. Is there any part of that within you? I mean, I think that more oftentimes than not is I, I don't want to fuel the fire. Like I already know how you feel about it. I already know that you are going to be upset about something that was said. I mean, Alan and I, I mean, just a couple of Sundays ago, we came home and we talked about some things that were said. We both agreed on some things, disagreed on other things. And again, it was just one of those like, okay, well, what did you think about what this person said? And what did you think about what that person said? So I don't know. I, I think that it's, it's I mean, we talk about it pretty openly anyway. So we don't really need to do that. You know, I've talked about it before that, I kind of saw the church as this like glittery, like amazing, nothing ever went wrong type of thing. Now I do feel like it's, it's not as shiny. It's, it's a little more lackluster than what I felt before. And I'm left with a more realistic view of the church and that people make mistakes and that there have been things in the past that I don't agree with. And can I just say, as as you're reading this email, from the reference of the shifting believer, it it means a lot when you're able to put those concerns into words. Mm-hmm. The way that I take it, I'll speak for myself and not all shifting believers, but the way that I take it is not, yes, she's she's coming to my side. It's there's this shared relief and belief of it's just it just feels really good to know that you're thinking about things and. And there is not a sense of competition between belief and non-belief. Just hearing you being authentic is great. And whether that's, I really feel strongly about the temple. I love the temple. I want to go to the temple. I'm great. That that's a very valuable thing to you. How can I support you in that? Like that's that's just as valuable as hey, I don't. I feel the same with you about this. Either way, I want to hear all of it. And it's not a competition. Right. Exactly. And that's. You have to remember that it's not a competition. You're not, it's not, one is not better than the other. And that's something to keep in mind. So um, I just, I give a few suggestions of, you know, what I'm doing to 
quote unquote, keep my faith strong in the church. And <clears throat> I don't know if this like makes Alan wince when he hears it because it doesn't matter if, even if it does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, um, I have gotten this question, so I'm just going to put it out there. So the first thing I thought of is find what you love most about the church and then find ways to incorporate them into your personal worship. There are a few things that I love. I am such an extrovert and going to church gives me a way to connect with others. But lately I've been in primary and primary is just like crazy chaotic. You're not connecting with people because I'm like constantly taking a kid to the bathroom or um, teaching a sharing time or whatever it might be. So um, <clears throat> instead of those things during the week, I connect with people in the neighborhood. We have um, play groups or play dates. We go to lunch. I make an effort to attend the Relief Society activities because I find them very uplifting and I find them fun because, you know, it's social. And then also, um, I'm not sitting there like, you know, worried about what my spouse is going to think about what a woman says about service or, I mean, it's, it's not that bad, but it's just kind of a place where I can go and relax and I really love it. I also have, and I've talked about this before, I have a really good friend in the ward and she's like the person that I confide in and she's going through stuff and I'm going through stuff. But if I don't show up to church on Sunday, she texts me, are you okay? Is someone sick? I just want to check in on you. And so having like just one person to constantly like just see if like how I'm doing and how I'm feeling is made like a huge difference for me is having someone to confide in. I also find a lot of joy in serving the people that live in my neighborhood and in my ward. Alan and I have talked about this before, but when we are intentional with our prayers, it's not like, hey, I would like to serve someone. Send me someone to serve. It's, I made these cookies and I'm going to take it to so-and-so. So unless that's the wrong person, like, let me know. And so it's just constantly, like, for me, I get a lot of value from serving I find just opportunities to just go ahead and do it. And there's just something that feels good about not wallowing in your own sorrows. You know, everyone's going through something. This is a very personal thing we went through that no one knew about. It just like serving other people to me makes me really happy. And it helps me feel like I'm being more like Christ. And, and I'm just, I feel like blessed with the feeling of charity towards other people as I do it. And then something I've started more recently is a gratitude journal. So I write down every morning the things that I'm grateful for. And that just in the morning when I do it, it changes my outlook for the day. And I really love that. Give us a few examples of what you've written in the last few days. So on Mother's Day, my son made me this book. And the book was all about just had poems and cute things. But at the end, he wrote me a note and, and it said things like, you're the first person I see when I get home. And every day and having, yeah, having that, it was really cute. It was like something that we hadn't noticed, but him walking through the door from school, he called out to Katie, like, it means a lot when you're here. Like it's something that he can rely on. Yeah. And that's, that's like the one thing that made me cry during mother's day is just, I mean, it was just so sweet and heartfelt. And I was so grateful that that's, that's something that, like is such a small thing that he recognized and I just love that he recognized that because I think moms don't get 
credit for things like that, like being home, like just being home. And so um, that meant a lot to me. And I put it in the gratitude journal. Uh, Also, I find a lot of value from books that are really inspiring and uplifting. So I just read this book called Option B. I will do a separate episode just about that because it is just so amazing. It's a great book. But um, yeah, just books that are really inspirational to me or quotes, things like that that I read really help me. I think we've talked about this in a, in a past episode, but sometimes Sundays can be really difficult. We have a son who um, hates Sundays pretty much because it's all about what you can't do, not what you can do. So someone gave me the idea of having this bucket. It's like Sunday ideas of fun things to do as a family. And so a couple weekends ago, we went up to the mountains after church and went to a cabin and went four wheeling. And it was really like one of the most joyous Sundays we've had in a long time. And, um, I think there's something to be said about like God's, like what God's created in nature and, and it just being out there in nature just makes you feel so good about life. Doesn't it? It does. And we have a, uh, a couple of uh, listener couples to thank for that because they invited us up to go to their cabin and we had a few, we've hung out with them a few times, so we knew that we weren't getting bamboozled into getting alone in the woods and they were going to murder us. So it was great. I made pasta salad. It was one. It was wonderful. Wonderful. We saw deers. Deers? Deer? Deer. Deer. Plural of deer is deer? Yes. Okay, dear. Like, think about the things that your family values on Sunday and do them as a family. Um, you know, Saturdays are crazy with games and birthday parties and, and everything, but Really, Sunday is like the day that you come together and you focus on each other. If you want to feel closer to God, you feel you come closer to God. And it's not about taking a a three hour nap on Sunday because I mean, yeah, you need it. But it's also about like making connections. And so um, I would just encourage you to find something, the things that you value and do that with your family on Sunday. The other thing that we talked about before is to set spiritual goals with your spouse. Your spouse may not believe in God at all. Some believe in God. Some hope there's a God, but they don't know. But you just start from where you're at. So you can create a family proclamation for you, for your family. You still have morals and values and things that you want your family and your kids to learn. And with those things, you can create your own family proclamation. I think everyone should do this, regardless of where they're at. There's just goals for your family that you want to accomplish. So put those down. Look at ways that you can do something. There are millions of non-members who still try to do their best and their families um, and for those around them. And so... Um, Alan and I know a lot of really charitable and serviceable people that don't belong to our religion and they do it because they really want to serve just mankind. God recognizes that if you, and he will sustain you in that. Justserve.org is a great website to go to. We constantly get updates on it of places that we can serve. If anyone wants to come and help us, we're going to do pack the school bus on August 4th. 
from 9.30 to noon at Rio Tinto Stadium. You can go on to JustServe.org and sign up to come and do um, a volunteer shift. But they feed you breakfast. You come. You pack backpacks for children who are in need for the school year to get them ready to go. And we'll, we will announce that on coming episodes leading up to it so that everybody knows. Like the, the, this, this would be a really cool event to meet others at. And uh, I, something that Katie and I have talked about as we move into the arena of trying to do events or retreats or uh, workshops or firesides, if you want to put it that way, we, we thought of this idea of service has bonded Katie and I, especially in this time of, of crisis, if you will that we want to include that in our activities and events with uh, everyone listening. So we'll, we'll announce that uh, over and over again in leading up to August 4th. Yeah, and I think on Instagram I posted um, a question about any sort of uh, charity events that Alan and I could fundraise for and humanitarian trips we could go on. And thank you for all of the responses we received. I've been looking through a number of organizations and they're all really, really amazing and exciting. And we have a few things in the works. And so, you know, we're, we're just like really trying to come together and focus on the things that we know will help us and will help other people. Think about that with your spouse and then make a plan and do it. Okay, so just to wrap things up, the last thing that I would suggest is just to have an open heart. And when I say have an open heart, it doesn't mean that you reject things that you believed in the past, but there are a lot of things that have really added upon to my own understanding that I have kind of expanded my view of things and it hasn't hurt what I already believe. It has given me a more in-depth perception of things that Alan now believes and Alan has shared very deep and personal feelings with me in order to be authentic and, and transparent. And as I listen to him, there are things that I accept that he says that I also feel are true and are just as valid as my feelings. And so I don't know everything perfectly, but I do know that when I feel good about something Alan says, I take that as something that I can incorporate to my own beliefs. Just have an open heart, listen to your spouse, listen to what they have to say, and don't feel like you are being persecuted, and don't feel like everything that your non-believing spouse has to say is wrong, because it's not. Can I, can I ask you a question? Would you say that your faith is stronger yet changed? Oh, that's hard. I I think that I do have a stronger faith in things I didn't before. It is changed. It's not to say I I don't have any less faith in God because I do. And if anything, you know, when we work through our problems or we talk th things through and we feel validated, we feel like God's leading us to the way that the way that we're supposed to go it strengthens my testimony in what we're trying to do it strengthens my testimony in our marriage that's that is absolutely for sure i have a better understanding knowledge and outlook on you know what god wants for our marriage and he may take us in a direction that we didn't see coming i think that that's 
the point, right? Yeah, I, I, that's the whole purpose of the question is a lot of people refer to the one that has shifted their beliefs as having gone through a faith crisis. But I think while that accurately describes the beginning parts of this process for me, when there is a crisis of what I once believed and once had faith in, it I now more like the term faith transition because I, I feel that my faith is vastly increased from where it was a year ago, but it's very different now. It's, it is a different, it is a transition, it is a shifting faith, but it doesn't mean that the faith is any, any smaller, it's actually the opposite. That's what I've found. Yeah, I like that. I, I just want to say for any of those who want like a copy of my email that I sent to a few different people about how to keep your faith um, strong. And I don't know, maybe you find these useful, maybe not, but I'm happy to send a copy of it to you. I Again, you can just reach out to our email or even Instagram and, and I'm happy to send it to you. The last thing I, I wanted to talk about before we, we take off an interest, not, I wouldn't say interesting, a good experience on this past Sunday was Mother's Day. And Katie, being the primary president, had it all organized for the um, elders quorum to come and take over for so that the, the ladies can go to Relief Society and, and Sunday school. And Katie asked me to do sharing time. Uh, what I didn't know is that she probably did ask me, but I didn't remember, to also conduct. So that was on the sheet. Yes. Which I don't, part of it. I know about it. I, don't, I emailed it to you. Like I never opened it. Assignments <laughs> were. So anyway, I, I wanted to share briefly what that was like. It was, I, I, I'm very, th I try to be very thoughtful now when, when, uh, I'm put in a position to, to teach uh, in the church and this was no different. So being sensitive to mother's day and how, very good traditional women in a traditional family have a lot of angst surrounding Mother's Day where they feel like they're less than or they're they're they they don't meet the the perfection that is expected of them. I oh. wanted to recognize that in in my sharing time. Well, I I let me interrupt for a second. I think most mothers can agree that you like build yourself up for Mother's Day. Like I in in Mother's Day's past, it hasn't been like this in the last maybe for three or four years, but you kind of like have an idea of what you expect Mother's Day to be like. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, your day is ruined. So just like all these false expectations. And then you go into these like false, like ideas of what motherhood is or like how you're not good enough to be a mother. It's, it can be, well, it's certainly been a hard holiday for me the last couple I mean, from the beginning of marriage up until the last couple of years ago, but it changed. Yeah, I, I think we've had a. We can talk about that in further detail at yeah. next year's Mother's Day episode. <laughs> but for my sharing time, I wanted to. I showed a quick video that talks about all the other roles that mothers fill, uh, and it was a church LDS.org video, and it talked about how they are BFFs and they are last hopes. They are creators they are givers of life they are healers and it gave all these really powerful titles and after the video i asked everybody uh, all the children of what are some other things that you would say your mom is and then i said now there may be some people that don't have a mom that's around anymore and 
but they they have healers they have creators they have best friends and their lives that can fill the same role that a lot of our moms fill for us and then i ask them how can we be mothers to those around us i don't care if you're a boy or a girl and it was really cool to see the hands pop up and we can help people and we can do this for people and and it was it was not trying to take away from from the importance of mothers especially on mother's day but it was trying to allow for uh, for example i knew in the back of the room there was there was a uh, someone that does not have children and and wants to have children and i can imagine how hard that is on mother's day especially being in primary with all of these children uh so that was that was something that that i tried to to incorporate into the sharing time and then i gave four bullet point clues on three different women to see if the children could guess who these mothers were that i was i was giving clues about the first one was nancy lincoln and it was the the clues were very much centered around her personality and nurturing as a mother so very traditional mother the second one was mary the mother of christ giving some of the really cool examples from the bible that i that i talked about there with she reminded Christ to, to help this guy instead of walking past him. And she wrote a letter to Paul saying religion is charity and don't you dare forget it. And just really, really cool stuff of her being um, a spiritual leader as well. And then the last thing was it was Bill Gates' mom. She was a business leader. She was a philanthropist. And all of the clues around that were had nothing to do with her as a traditional nurturer or mother for Bill, but as an example of how to run a company and how to be very generous with with what you're given uh, a five-year-old girl guessed that one which was really interesting and her teacher didn't cheat anyway i wanted to share very briefly while not all the time things can be easy for me at church there are opportunities where you can i can bring a different perspective and it doesn't have to be angsty it doesn't have to cause ripples or be so directly in opposition to what is being taught especially if i'm the one teaching it there's kind of this place where I, I try to fit that is not always possible, uh, understandably not always possible, but when I can fit in there, it, it's very healthy and it, it feels great because I'm, I'm able to teach the kids about, about something in a way that maybe someone else may not have. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure that the kids loved that. I unfortunately was not around for that. We had a sick son and, you know... Mothers are good for cleaning up throw up. So I stayed home with him and cleaned up a lot of throw up. But that's okay because it was Mother's Day and that's what mothers do. And in the past, I think I would have hated it. But this year, there was something different. I just did not mind taking care of my sick son on my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're sweet. I know and as we're now finishing the episode, this has been a kind of a hodgepodge of just wanted to give everybody an, an update on right. on what's going on with us. Uh, the last update that we have is the month of June. So right now we're sitting on May 17th, and in 13 days we are headed to uh, Atlanta, Georgia to be with my family, even spending some time down in Florida. So we're not going to bring our recording equipment, which, as you know, doesn't work anyway. So <laughs> we're, we're not going to bring, bring, be bringing our recording equipment. We will try to pre-record some episodes and schedule them to release uh, when we're gone. So... Uh, at least we feel like we're putting something out there. And we also have family members that 
that have agreed to be interviewed. And we may do that while we're in person and just take advantage of being in the same room as them. Don't feel like you can't email us or still text us or post on Instagram, which leads us to our next point. You know, right now we have 117 followers on Instagram. And I feel like with Instagram, I can like, I can message immediately. You know, if you ask a question or you send me like a private chat, I respond back so much quicker than we can the emails. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're on Marriage on a Tightrope. We also, we also answer our emails at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of Katie without me seeing what you wrote... Instagram's the route to go because I don't check it. It's not on my phone. The emails go to both of us, and we typically both read both of them. And Katie will respond to the ladies. I'll respond to the to the man ladies. I almost said to the man ladies. I'll I'll respond respond to the men. With that, thank you very much for listening on this the thirteenth episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, We would love to to hear from from your emails or on Instagram. If you're wise enough to figure out who we are on Facebook, you can add us there, and we can chat there as well. And we'd also love... I don't answer on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook very much. I I am. So you can follow me on Facebook. You can follow Katie too, but she's not on there as much anymore. She's too cool for that. I'm on Instagram. Mm. Come on, guys. Which is a Facebook-owned company, by the way. Yeah, but it's better somehow. Somehow (laughs) Somehow. it's better. I'm messing up this outro. Okay, go ahead. It's it's visual. It's it's like the, uh, the kids' version of Facebook because it has pictures. A lot more pictures on Instagram. Also, with the great lineup that, that Bill Real has put together at Mormon Discussion, no matter where you are in, in the faith journey of uh, on Katie's spectrum or on my spectrum, it doesn't matter. Bill has put together a great lineup of content and podcasts to support you wherever you're at. So if, if that is something that is helpful for you, we, we certainly invite you to, to donate anything that you can. You can go directly to our page, themarriageandatightrope.org, and there is a donation button about halfway down the page on the right-hand side. We don't really care about the money, us personally, but the service that Bill has put together certainly has helped us in our journey. And if it's helped you, we encourage you to do that as well. And it goes to support all of the podcasters and what they do and to really keep all the podcasters online and have a web page and be able to give this service to you for free. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time.